Hey everyone, welcome to episode 22 of the Brozane Pistons podcast, where Alex and I like to overthink the Pistons. It's December, 20, it's December 2nd, and we're recording again during a Suns game. Uh, I think last time we were on the road in the middle of beating the Suns, so right now who knows what's happening. I'm, I'm recording it, maybe watching it later. But overall, Alex, uh, what have you thought? I think last time we were coming off a, a five and one start. It was kind of a very exciting time. We were like second in the ESPN Pistons NBA power rankings. We were about to play the Warriors. I stayed up late to watch that, and that, <laughs> and that kind of brought us. That that kind of led to a series of losses on the road that kind of brought us back down to earth. And we've uh, kind of ended up in the middle of the pack since then. Yeah, we've had a couple of inflection points since then. Uh, we, we, we mentioned at the end of that one we we're just about to or had just started a, a pretty brutal stretch in our schedule where there was a lot of games packed into just a few days and a lot of road games in a row and a, and a West Coast trip. Um, the Western Conference is pretty strong, as always. Um, so we had, you know, after that 5-1 and one start, we we went 1-4 and four, uh, during a stretch on the road trip. There's a, the most brutal stretch of the road trip. And we've kind of righted the ship, or at least uh, to switch... Uh, transportation metaphors, we, we've stopped the plane from heading towards the earth and leveled it out at a lower altitude, <laughs> shall we say, and gone four and four in our last eight. Um, so, yeah, have you, uh, what did you think? What, what's different than our first first six games where we were uh, on top of the world and, you know, feeling our oats and talking about how our defense was so great? Well, one thing is it seems like we're still a really great rebounding team, but maybe not quite as amazing. We don't te- we don't team to com- we don't tend to completely own the re- the boards. Uh, Drummond has come down to earth a little bit from like his Wilt Chamberlain esque start to merely averaging 17 rebounds a game, and so our, it seems like our defensive uh, I think our defensive intensity is not quite as strong all the time. We'll, we'll look really good for stretches and then kind of look bad. And then our shooting is absolutely terrible and just painful to watch sometimes. Uh, there are games where we get hot, but then there will be like a quarter. I'm trying to think what game it was recently. Maybe it was when we lost to the Lakers, which was a completely terrible loss, Like where we shot like 25% in the third quarter. And, there, and when you do that, for, even for a quarter, you just in the NBA, you just don't recover from that. So I think those are kind of what I'm seeing. I'm also seeing there are times when we look really good, like when we – beat the Heat uh, handily and when we beat the Cavs. So I think as SVG said in one after game, uh, we've shown that we can beat any team and we can lose to any team. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, the, all those uh, coaching aphorisms, uh, there's some truth to them where, you know, consistency and, you know, n- not trying to turn it on and off. Um, shout out to uh, Green Hills High School varsity basketball coach when I was there in the 90s, Luke Jansen, excellence is not a faucet. You can't, you can't just turn it off and on. Well, we're, we're, we're trying to do that a little bit and not succeeding. Uh, you know, maybe it's that we're a young team or we just don't know how to win yet, but, you know, we, we've shown that we can absolutely shut down teams on offense, other teams' offense when we are, are engaged and trying hard. And so, yeah, we had the, the first five games, we had the third-best defense in the league. And then we were below average during the worst stretch of our road trip, and we've been kind of average since. But we, we still have stretches where we have other teams, you know, have shot clock violations and, um, you know, just Marcus Morris's strength and um, Reggie Jackson's length and Contavious Caldwell-Pope's hustle and Andre Drummond's just overall beastliness um, just makes it really hard for, for the other team. And our strategy uh, seems to be uh, just stay in front of them, let them shoot it. Don't follow them. Don't don't gamble. Um, just play good, hard nosed defense, and then get the rebound and um, try to you know then try to get out in transition. And when it works, it works, and it's it's a sound strategy. And it, it's just a matter of not having lapses or something like that. I don't know. It, it, that's just that's kind of what I've seen is, and that's my explanation for why we're we're going in and out of of looking really good. Yeah, I also think that sometimes. Are the people say that defense leads to offense? Sometimes in our case, I think that a completely terrible offense leads to a defense giving up. Um, I think actually, I think it was the Bucks game. I'm looking back at some notes right now, where um, by the end of the second quarter, we were down by ten, and 
and you know we're just shooting terribly. In the third quarter, we shot 25%, and then also started to play really lazy defense. And and when you're just missing every shot, uh, it, and you're and you're already down, I think it, it can be hard to just stay keep that intensity up. Uh, I remember Van Gundy just really complaining at the end of that game about, um, you know, just not, you know, I, I don't, but think about it. If we're shooting 34% for the game, like how are you supposed to stay motivated to try hard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of a low point, I think, um, when we were, when we had lost to the Bucks, and, and since then we've bounced back, and, and and like you were saying, we've kind of, I would say we look like we were we had a, we had a super hot start and a super cold streak, and now we're kind of like have been about five hundred, and our overall record is five hundred right now. Yeah, I think this is just what it's like to be uh, a middle of the pack team with some talent. Uh, and, and good coaching is, is again, that consistency. And I, I think you're on to something with the offense and the defense being related to each other. You know, when you have bad offense, you have um, the other team starting their possession off a rebound, maybe with some momentum going forward. Um, whereas if, when you make a shot, they start from further back, they have to throw the ball in, you get another second. And I think, you know, the zero chance of a long rebound because there's no rebound. And so maybe there's a little bit of that too, where you're um, when you make a shot, it's easier to play defense, both energy-wise and because the other team doesn't have as fast a start. You know, just literally from a, a running start point of view. Um, and uh, but but I think also just being willing to grind it out through all four quarters, through good offense and bad, um, is is the mark of a winning team. And again, we're young and we're still establishing our culture and. You know, maybe maybe that's just what it's like to again be a, a, a middling team. Is, is is you're learning how to bring it every night. Well, I mean, I, I noticed that during those different phases of the young season so far, um, what's really been the the bellwether of what, whether we're winning or not is is our defense. Um, uh, again, our defense was awesome in the first six games. And it, it was it was bad during the brutal road trip. We were bottom ten in the league, and then we've been uh, um, you know middle of the pack since then. But our our offense has been consistently bad uh, the, th- through both our hot start and our brutal uh, times. Um, our our offensive efficiency has you know been basically bottom three, bottom five in the league. Recently, it's picked up a, a little bit. You know, I don't know if that, if that's noise or what, but um, our pace has, has sped up and slowed down. That might make it harder to, you know, maybe we're getting tired on defense. So there's there's a lot going on, but, but, but it seems like our defense coming and going is what has determined our success so far. And, and like you, touching off of what you said, I, I don't know if that's just due to intensity or just because getting discouraged on offense or uh or if it's or if, or if the other team it just brings it one night and, and makes us look bad or what some of our some of our first games i feel like we had some surprising comebacks by being down 10 and having just really amazing defense that kept us in it and i haven't seen that as much lately it seems like once a game gets away from us um we are less likely to come back um Although it was impressive to see our, our, when we beat the Rockets recently, we were we were way ahead at a half, and then they made a big run to come back within ten, and we and we finished them off pretty strong. But um, the Rockets kind of are kind of a mess, by the way. It's kind of amazing to see how how bad they looked and disorganized they looked against us, given that they were so promising last year. But um, yeah, talk about the effect of trying hard. I mean, they 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 just don't look like they care. I mean, there was one possession where Dwight Howard was trying to throw a pass of like maybe six or seven feet in length uh, before the offense got started in the half court. And he just kind of lazily bounced it and turned away. And, you know, Reggie Jackson stole it and went down for a dunk. And I, I don't know if Dwight Howard even realized that had happened until they were already on the other end of the court. And, um, you know, of course, James Harden is, has, is making classic, uh, you know, uh, Making it to, to becoming a vine star, where, where people making vines of his terrible defense, uh, where he just lets people go by and doesn't even seem like he cares. So, it's uh, uh I was glad that we did we didn't look that bad effort wise. I think Van Gundy would have murdered somebody if he was coaching that team. Um, 
Well, speaking of that game, I actually that reminds me one thing that stood out to me was Drummond just looked like a professional. Like he was carrying himself like he had a chip on his shoulder. He was really taking it to Howard um, and had a good game. I think he outplayed Howard and. And that's impressive. I actually remember, like, maybe his rookie year or two years ago, he completely got owned by him, you know. Uh, and 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 now he's experienced enough that he can come in and put up 20 points and 10-plus rebounds and, uh, you know, look really strong against, you know, one of – formerly one of the best centers in the league. Yeah. It, it's um, – I don't know if he had extra motivation that night or if that's just, that's just what he is now. Um, and, you know, Howard not trying very hard – also helps uh, Drummond look better by comparison, but I know it's a maybe kind of a changing of the guard uh, game there. Um, in other good news, in addition to Drummond looking like a pro, um, Stanley Johnson has has been playing well lately and put up some good numbers in a few games. So we're moving beyond just saying, well, he's not doing very well, but at least he looks like he belongs. I think he put up 19 points and 10 rebounds the other night, and. Uh, uh, even even though Stan Van Gundy was was uh, yelling at him at the end of games a bunch, uh, you, you pointed me towards an article where he Van Gundy said well he actually looked at the film and and Johnson actually played pretty good defense and just the guys hit tough shots on him. So um, really nice to see that him making a contribution. I think he hit four threes against the Rockets. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're going to expect that every night, but he he. When the ball swings around to him and he's open and the right shot for our offense is for him to shoot the th- open three, he's very confidently do- shooting it. And, you know, he, he his his stroke looks pretty good. So I think long term, you know, things are looking pretty good for him to be at least a, an average you know, contributor on, on uh, from the three-point line, which is what we really need. You, you just can't get away with having a wing player who's a non-shooter. Uh, on the from the outside, at least with our offense. So yeah, and, and what about what about the sort of lopsided praise for Justice Winslow? That's kind of bugging me. I mean, there, I mean, I don't have any problem with them, but I, I feel like uh, in Ellie's podcast, people are like, "Porzingis is awesome and impressive," and um, who's the guy on Minnesota? Oh, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony yeah. Towns looks amazing. Like he he could be an all star this year. Um, and then they're like, and Winslow, you know, and it's like, well, what the hell? Like, what? No one mentions Johnson, and 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 you pointed me to to the comparison, and they literally have like identical offensive and defensive ratings. I think uh, Justice Winslow has like a one point better offensive rating. Than yeah. Before. Yeah, I, I think part of it is that is that you and I happen to have a, a Bill Simmons heavy media habit. Um, you know, he 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 was really high on Winslow, and he was really hoping that the Celtics would uh, trade up and, and take him. And uh, there was, you know, some story about the Celtics offering four first-round draft picks to uh, Charlotte, who uh, who refused the deal to so that they could take Frank Tank Kaminsky. And um, so that's one of those things that Simmons is just going to obsess about for the rest of his life. Um, so he bring, so he's kind of interested in Justice Winslow for that. And, that. and then also ESPN's main draft guy, Chad Ford, really liked Justice Winslow. And... Uh, you know, and they'll, they'll always be compared because they play the same position. They're both uh, very um, stout of build uh, for small forwards, but still play the small forward position. Um, and uh, so it'll be interesting. And then people were, it raised eyebrows when Van Gundy said we uh, we took Johnson because he we thought he was the best player for us in the draft, and um, Winslow wasn't in our next top five players. So, you know, it just shows you that reasonable people can disagree about these draft ratings. And, um, you know, ESPN has such a loud megaphone and, you know, Chad Ford is so prominent and Bill Simmons, when he was at ESPN, was uh, so prominent. You know, I think, he, you know, he used to do TV to, uh, on draft night. Uh, so, you know, we're really getting a, a skewed view of, of some people's views. But yeah, and then uh, on Bill Simmons' new podcast, he had um, professional sports gambler Haralibus Valgaris on there, and they were talking about how, how yeah, the, exactly what you said. Those rookies look good, and then yeah, Winslow at least looks good on defense. So the only thing that could be really be happening there that beyond the numbers is that maybe Winslow, by the eye test, is playing better defense than Johnson is. Um, well, Winslow also plays in the Heat, a little bit more of a prominent team. Um, yep. I wouldn't be surprised if 
if you know those guys hadn't watched a single Pistons game this year. And, and and no one's actually like making fun of us for picking for for picking Johnson. He's just not coming up. So it's not like when people make fun of the Kings for taking um, what's his name, uh, Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, Willie Cauley Stein uh, or anything like that. But yeah. So anyway, it's good to see that Johnson. I, I sort of it's it's nice to to feel like oh like even tell our to convince ourselves that we didn't make a mistake. I really like I I feel is in terms of a first like he looks he's more of a contributor this year as a rookie than Drummond was as a rookie or KCP was as a rookie. Yes, he he, look, he looks amazing for a 19-year-old. I mean, just physically, he belongs in the NBA. He just looks like an NBA player. And um, he looks coachable. He looks like he's playing hard on defense. And as I'll mention a little later, he's really important to our transition uh, offense. Um, I, I will just uh, dispute that no one's making fun of us. No one is currently making fun of us for that because Johnson doesn't look like a bust. But on draft night or, or the, the draft evaluations on the next day, I remember, um, I think, who was it? The Brooklyn Nets late in the first round took Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And I think Chad Ford might have said, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being better than Stanley Johnson. And they took him in the 20s. So that shows you, you know, about Detroit's pick or something like that. So for whatever reason, Chad Ford and Bill Simmons both – we're not feeling Stanley Johnson, even though um, some of our, our other sources, like the that um, Nylon Calculus uh, website, uh, their quantitative analysis really likes Stanley Johnson and uh, and you know some other scouts. So I'll will just add that you know um, I I have a little bit of a bee in my bonnet about you know Johnson being underappreciated, but you know whatever he'll the the numbers will speak for themselves. I, I you know. Possibly by the end of this year, and uh, certainly next year, he'll be starting and making. And uh, you know, he he looks like it, uh, being an all star someday is not out of the question. But uh, you know, you, you, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. But he just just uh, very impressive uh, for a nineteen year old. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big win for us, uh, and and a sort of the fact that he's mature kind of accelerated is great because he kind of catches up on the timeline a little bit with you know our our young our young nucleus of you know Drummond and KCP and now Stanley Johnson um yeah and and KCP one thing I've noticed about him is that he seems to just be really be uh loving his a defensive role I mean like there will be games where you look back at the the box score and he has like under 10 points and didn't play particularly well on offense, but he, like I think the Rockets game was like that. But he he really did a good good job on on Harden and d- didn't follow him very much compared to how often Harden gets to the line. I think Harden ended up with like twenty seven points, but it was off of like a million shots. Um, and and he's you know he he has he has a good attitude towards just being really strong on defense. And, and uh, of course, it'd be great if he was more consistent on making his threes. But um, he's not terrible. Like he's he, he's not really flagging on, on offense. He's not like notably bad among our starters, but, um, yep. yeah, he, he, I think, uh, the team has been talking up his, uh, defensive prowess, uh, after the golden state game, which is kind of a while ago. Now people were really excited that he, he actually did a pretty good job on Steph Curry. You know, it's not like he completely shut him down or anything, but he, you know, he looked good and he bothered him. And he's just generally trying really hard, just putting in a lot of effort, being in the right place, uh, bothering people. You know, people try to go across picks, and he really just, you know, sprints ahead of it and and doesn't let the pick be set on him. And I think, um, you know, you you really if you don't have a a real creator and all star and so forth at the um, at the wing position, you at least want a three and D guy, a guy who can make threes and play good defense. And he. He's really laying a great foundation uh, on defense. You know, I, I I wouldn't put him in a defensive player of the year uh, conversation or even close yet, but just looks great. I mean, he's 22 years old and and really seems to get it and uh, is bringing the effort every night. Like you said, you know, now now he's got to start hitting the shots. He was a big time scorer in college. Um, you know, not a pure three point shooter, but just hitting a lot of mid range shots. So I have high hopes for him to really develop into an adequate or adequate plus or even good three-point shooter in addition to him being a good defender. And, you know, the the league has kind of a shortage of, of very good wing players in the middle right now. There's there's the really great ones like LeBron James and Kevin Durant and, and, and everything like that. 
um, but at, at, up at the top, but the kind of middle class and bottom of the starters at, at shooting guard and small forward around the league is pretty weak. And so it's, it's a really valuable to have a, a young, good shooting guard right now. So, and so speaking of a little bit about our offense, um, I guess in terms of KCP being strong on defense, but ho-hum on offense, he's shooting 30% from three. And looking around our team, who overall is the worst shooting team in the NBA, trying to make sense of that, I think part of it is uh, our bench is notably bad and has no movement of the ball. We kind of just get stuck and take bad shots. Uh, but even our our starters, sometimes it feels like um, Ilya Sova's like shooting above 40% from three, which is great to see. And um, Re- even Reggie Jackson is shooting 35%, which is really exciting to see. Even in the Rockets game, I was noting that a couple of times, uh, you know, he was dared to to shoot a three because they were cutting under the pick, and you know he drilled a couple of threes. That was you know that was great. Uh, but and then the pick and roll with Drummond can look great at times. But then a lot of times we'll we'll like end up passing into Marcus Morris, who's capable of getting off a shot like when he wants to, which is impressive. But he's not making it enough to, for us to feel like that's a go-to option. Like a and so I'm just trying to think. And, and then Drummond. Uh, in the post, I, I actually feel like I'm kind of excited about his post game a little bit. But then again, when you really look at the numbers, it's not like wow, he's so great that you want to build completely build an offense around him. So I'm just trying to think about where do we go from here to get good enough that we're you know maybe an average defense. Like if we can become an average uh, an average offense and then kind of get our defense back to top ten, uh, then we're probably looking at you know a solid playoff spot. Yeah. I've been I've been thinking along the same lines. Um, I mean, first of all, there's been a lot of talk around the league about that our our, our starters are good and our our bench has really been letting us down. Um, it, but if you look at that, it's um, it's really again a lot about our defense. Our, our the the offensive rating of our starters is very similar to our overall team offense, and that's kind of surprising, right? Because we've had a few breakout games from uh, Andre Drummond and Red. Reggie Jackson, especially Reggie Jackson, did what? Didn't he put up close to forty one night early in the season? I, I, I'm. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had twenty points in in, the, in one quarter at one game, so I think that yeah, I think he did have forty points. Yeah, so and and uh, we we've had people say things like, um, I think uh, Zach Lowe one time on his podcast said that you know he looks unguardable at times and so forth. Is that I mean that that's a good sign, but you know our 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 starting lineup barely has a better offensive rating. Than our our team overall, uh, one, you know, one hundred one point eight, which you know would put us in the bottom ten in the league if that were our whole team's offensive rating, and that's not good. And and so then you start to think about, well, what's going on here? Is it is it our um are, are we is the composition of our shots uh, difficult? Like we're making our shots uh, compared to what we think we would controlling for the difficulty. I guess I guess what I'm really trying to say is, are we taking Taking shots that are too hard and making them at a fine clip, or are we taking good shots and just missing them? Um, are we missing them because it's bad luck, or are we missing them because we don't have the talent and necessary to have a good offense? And you know, so I tried to look into that a little bit, and, and um, I finally rolled up my sleeves and got into the um, some of the tracking stats available on NBA.com. We've mentioned the Sport View data that other people use to write write about, and and uh, you know, the the high level NBA writers will have access to. Tons and tons of data on this, but the NBA has been great about making some of it available for free on their site. And so you can look at things like, you know, how, who, which players are good at, um, at, uh, post ups or spot up shooting where you, you're past the ball when you're open and you just shoot it right away without dribbling or, um, drives and, and things like that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, the interface makes it kind of hard to figure out. You have to go to, through a few different menus to get, get at it a few different ways. But I, I really felt like looking at that gave me a good sense for, for what's going on and some overall lessons. So I think I'll just, I'll just go through a few observations I had on there. For one thing, the easiest kind of baskets you can get are transition baskets, just going from defense to offense, uh, you know, fast breaks or, uh, shooting quickly when you just kind of have a three-on-three three or before the defense has a chance to get set. Our, we'll, we have three guys on our team that are in the top 50 in the league on um, field goal attempts on, in transition. 
Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope is 16th in the league and um, in, is scoring at a pretty good clip on those. You do pretty efficient on that. So he, he's really been our most valuable transition player. And I think that that really matches the eye test, right? I mean, it, it just seems like he's sprinting down the floor and he is the most likely to get a breakaway dunk um, or someone will pass it forward to him and he'll shoot, he'll shoot an open shot. Yeah, he just goes screaming towards the basket sometimes. It's, it's pretty cool to see. He, yeah, he's just running really hard all the time. Um, uh, and then Stanley Johnson has been pretty good too. He's 47th in the league at, in transition field goal attempts. Um, that, that's pretty great considering he comes off the bench. I think that really shows he he is also running hard. He's you know he he seems to be getting a few steals and getting breakaways, and he is scoring pretty efficiently in transition too. And that's that's the main thing that um, st- stuck out at me when you watched his um, scouting films from when he was in the draft is he just getting a lot of like coast to coast, getting the rebounder, getting outlet pass, and just rumbling his way to the rim, and people can't get can't stop him uh, in transition. Um, and then the other guy who's, you know, doing a lot of transition shooting is Reggie Jackson. He's 33rd in the league in field goal attempts in transition. But he's scoring at a pretty bad clip there. Um, it, he's uh, .9 points per possession. Um, to put that into context, that, you know, that, that's worse than much worse than our overall offense. So, so far, in most cases, when Reggie Jackson shoots in transition, we would have been better off just sort of pulling it back and just running our offense. Um, and I don't know if that's a fluke, like, you know, we're early in the season and, and he'll figure it out later, or if he's missing some easy shots, or if he's making some bad decisions there. And, and I'm just not sure about that. Um, so, you know, getting more transition buckets is, is one way to have our offense get better. And probably, you know, having better... Th- uh, spot up three point shooters would be a good way to do that. So, someone who scores a lot in transition in the league is Steph Curry, who you know sprints down the floor and they just in the chaos of transition get him an open three. Um, so, long story short, it'd be our offense would be great if we had Steph Curry. So that's a great insight that I just <laughs> on you there. Then you get to more what you were worried about. Um, if you look at isolation baskets, that's when a player just you know it's just the last ten seconds of the shot clock usually. And a guy's just going to take his guy one-on-one. And that's kind of the last resort for an offense. Most offenses nowadays don't try to get an isolation as, as its main play because you usually end up with a contested shot. And we got uh, two guys who take a lot of isolation shots. Marcus Morris, 15th in the league at attempts. And Reggie Jackson, 18th in the league at those attempts. And um, Reggie Jackson's kind of middle of the pack. You know, he's... Uh, 40th percentile at efficiency on that, which means that he he's most player most players do about the same as him. You know, a little bit more than 50 percent do do better than him at that. So I don't know what to say about that. I guess usually if he's taking that shot, it, we, we ran out of other options, and um, it's not bad, but it should be a last resort. But Marcus Morris is shooting a lot of those 15th in the league at those attempts. That that means that half the teams in the league don't have one guy who shoots more uh, ISO uh, shots than him, and he's uh, he's scoring at 16th percentile in efficiency there. So I mean, it, it's just bad. It, it, I think that means that our offense would be better if he just stopped doing that altogether. I think that really matches what you said, Carl. It, it just looks really bad when he does that, and it, it's not like he's hogging the ball and doing that. I think doesn't it seem like we just end up where nothing really worked, and then we just pass it to Marcus Morris and make him try to do something? Yeah, especially on games where Reggie takes his time getting into the offense. There, I think there are games where he decisively drives and, and, and just kind of starts to disrupt their offense a little bit. And then there are games where he, he kind of dribbles around until there's 12 seconds left in the shot clock. And those tend to, I, I think, it's not quite so bad as when we were in the in the doldrums last year and Josh Smith would end up with the ball in his hand with like three seconds left in the shot clock. He he gets the ball with maybe eight seconds left, and then he kind of takes his time and confidently gives up a decent shot. It's just that in today's NBA, it just feels like, you know, it's, it's not going to be an assisted good open look. So it just seems to me like I would love to. I would love it that like our go-to moves are maybe just like feed Drummond for some post moves, do a lot of pick and roll, and otherwise try to get some ball movement and uh, open shots. That, that does seem to be the plan. Um, 
You know, one interesting thing is that um, the, those stats also break it down by who's done the most post-ups and who's done the most pick-and-rolls and, and stuff like that. Um, Reggie Jackson leads the league by a very large margin in field goal attempts from drives, and he's first in um, you know, possessions doing pick-and-roll as a ball handler. So, you know, his 30, uh, his 30% usage rate is, is really, you know, the ball's in his hands, he's, and, and, he, and it's not jacking up jump shots. He's really trying very, very hard to get to the rim. He's driving a lot and, and shooting on pick-and-roll a lot. And is it just me, or is he always like out, of, like completely out of out of breath? Like, like, he's, like he just sprinted up five flights of stairs or something, and, and like I don't know. Even like after they're done shooting free throws, he'll still be sitting there like breathing so hard. I, I've never seen any NBA player um, breathing harder than him, <laughs> and and the cameras on him breathing really hard and just pouring sweat. Um, like five times a game. It's so he, yeah. I don't know if he, I don't know, like has low blood oxygen or something, or just is trying much harder than everybody else. But, but maybe it's because he's driving to the rim so much. Um, and then on those on those um, pick and rolls where he he's he's about the middle of the league and efficiency on those. So you know it's not a bad thing that he's um, that he's doing that and. So that seems to be our main plan, uh, as we said, all, as we predicted before the season started, and as all the smart pundits have been writing, that's our main plan is to have them do pick and rolls. And so it's it's really hard to say we should be doing more than that. Um, I almost wonder whether now it's a it's not about the plan, it's about the execution. Um, you just you see a lot of situations where we're, we do that pick and roll, and then somebody's open near the basket for just a second, or somebody on the wing is open for a second. Um, we, we, we don't have very many guys who are, um, just getting, uh, uh, open shots. We have, there are zero pistons in the top 50 in the league in catch and shoot shots. Um, which is very weird given our, that our plan is to have this devastating pick and roll with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond, and then three, um, adequate to good three-point shooters on the outside. Some of those guys should be open and just catching the ball and shooting and getting those catch-and-shoot um, possessions. We we do we are fourth in the league in three-point attempts. It's just that we're so like some games. It's like I, I think there are there definitely are games where I, I I've noticed us just miss so many open threes. Like Tolliver has been stone cold, and so like he was a guy who seemed like he could make a respectable amount of open threes last year, and not so much this year. Um, and Morris isn't particularly good from from open threes. I think really Ilyasova is the one guy. And I, I noticed that there are some games where we make a point to try to get him some open looks, and, and that seems to be like a good thing to go, good thing to do. But um, I, I almost wonder, like maybe it's almost maybe we're just not quite good enough at threes to really pull that off, and it, that's why it's making me. I'm actually a little bit excited to diversify into Drummond, devote like developing a post game where he could potentially. It's not it's not only pick and roll, but some possessions we can just slam it, get it down into him. And if, if he's able to draw a double team and then uh, kind of dish it out that way, could be another could be another angle to our approach we take on different possessions. Yeah, I think you're right. Ilyasova has been by far our best outside shooter, and then Reggie Jackson shoots a lot of threes um, just with no without somebody passing into him. Just you know, he threatens to drive and then shoots instead. But yeah, going to the Andre post-up game—that's that's the thing we seem to do second most. Um, we're 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 giving it to him a lot. Of, actually, he's fourth in the league in 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 possessions posting up, um, which I you know I knew we were doing a lot, but I didn't know that we were doing oh, wow. it you know more than twenty-five other teams. Do you remember who's um, ahead of him by the by off chance? Um, I think like Hassan Whiteside and Mark Gasol or something like that. I I, I don't remember who's ahead in in po- in number of of post ups, but um, interestingly, uh, for um in post ups, he's shooting a lot of them, but he's twentieth uh, percentile in the league in efficiency and scoring in the points per those possessions, and he has a uh, for among the guys who do a lot of them, he's has a very low rate of getting fouled and getting shooting fouls on those. So what that tells me is that he's still developing and he's not very good at it yet. And, 
And he might be playing it safe. He seems to be doing a lot of, like, hook shots, and he's not doing, like, pump fake and try to bowl his way to the basket like you see DeMarcus Cousins do, who is another one of those guys who gets a lot of post-ups, but he has an incredibly high efficiency rate on scoring on that. So, you know, he, he might be afraid to get fouled, and he's not doing moves that are designed to draw a foul. He, but he looks pretty fluid and smooth shooting those shots, don't you think? He doesn't look like a Dwight Howard, like Frankenstein, punching the ball towards the basket. No, I mean, unlike some of the very early games or games last year where it almost looked like he was like, damn it, I'm going to shoot this no matter what. Like, he's shown, like, first of all, he can just take it and sometimes actually have some good fo- footwork, almost like Moose, like, uh, like uh, and get, get to the rim or just have a confident uh, turn and hook shot that he makes he, he makes enough that it's worthwhile. Occasionally he'll be kind of too close to the free throw line and do kind of some awkward long like floater or hook that's not a good shot, but really he looks like it's a, a definitely a worthy thing to do. And occasionally he actually can dish it off to somebody or, or make a decision to, 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 you know, kind of use the fact that he's drawing attention to uh, make some, make something happen for somebody else. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Uh, we're really trying to develop that. I think with those awkward floaters, a lot of times it seems like he has to shoot that because, um, He's about to get a three seconds in the lane call on him or something. You know, he's just like, well, here I am. I, I have to shoot it. So here, here's, let me get a shot up at the rim. Um, and I just thought I'd mention um, among, you know, among the players who are in the top 50 in, in how often they shoot uh, from post-ups, the, the guys we should be looking at for what he can uh, turn into in the future, the guys who have the, the highest scoring rate at those are, are DeMarcus Cousins, Brooke Lopez, um, Kevin Love, Paul Millsap, Kawhi Leonard, interestingly. So, um, and then Ryan Anderson, who's kind of an interesting, he, he's just kind of a, a tall, good three-point shooter, but apparently he's scoring in post-ups this year. So we can keep an eye on them. But there, there, there are only a few guys who shoot as much as him in the post who are um, as bad as him in, at converting it so far this year. Um and interestingly, it's uh, you know Robin Lopez and Roy Hibbert, uh, who are just kind of, who are just kind of bad players uh, on offense, who are on bad teams. But then there's also um, a couple of guys just having a bad year: Zach Randolph and Dwayne Wade. And then a couple of guys: Hassan Whiteside for the Heat and Anthony Davis are very low efficiency, like Drummond. And I feel like they're like Drummond, where. Um, their team is making an investment in those possessions in building them up for the future. Um, if, because just like you said, Carl, if, if we can get it so that Drummond is converting those at a higher and higher rate, then suddenly that's a threat. And, and um, what you want to do in the NBA on offense is be successful enough at a certain type of play that it makes the other team react and commit too many resources towards stopping it. You know, maybe a double team or something like that, and then you can start moving the ball around, and get open shots. So th- this really seems to be about an investment in let's just live with kind of a bad offense for a while while Drummond figures it out because he just looks graceful enough doing it that it it's actually possible. This it could be really viable for you know for the future. He he remains amazing uh, and talented and just mind blowing on the offensive putbacks. Uh, and and that's great to see. So you take that, you get a and all of his rebounds, and then you you have a, a competent. Uh, if you get a competent to good post game, the the last piece I, I think Shane Battier was saying on on a, another podcast, uh, if Drummond could get his free throw rate up, he, he'd be a top ten player in the league already. It just yeah. that it just that he happens to shoot what is it thirty eight percent from the line, and uh, that I've actually seen it hurt us. There have been games where. Uh, I think in the Rockets game, we keep on talking about it because it's the last game we saw, but uh, I think the hack of Drummond worked. We pulled him out in the third quarter, and that was when they came back uh, to, to within 10. Or, and within 10, when it's the Rockets, is like within three or something like that. So um, yep. I don't know about that. I mean, our, our, I, I think i got to stop. I, I think one time I said, someone asked if he looks better this year, and I said qualitatively <laughs> because, you know, maybe he looked like he was had a more confident stroke. But the bottom line is he's, he remains awful at free throw shooting, and that's concerning. I mean, I would go farther than him being a top 10 player uh, if he could hit free throws. The, the, if you look at the, the, um, the numbers of, of 
the Hall of Famer Moses Malone, who won a couple of rings and MVP award, the the only difference is that he got to the line a lot and made you know in the seventies percent. But similar kind of scoring and field goal percentage and rebounding. I mean, it's that big of a difference. I mean, he's not there yet. It's like young Moses Malone before he started, you know, at age 22. But, I mean, that's really the difference. In that Rockets game, both Harden, James Harden and Drummond took like 17 free throws. And Harden made 15 of them, and Drummond made four of them. (laughs) uh, I think I have those numbers right. And that's why the game was close. Um if uh, if it had been the other way around, it would have been a, an epic blowout. So it just shows you, you know, what he has to work on. But it, it's just interesting that he really is shooting a lot of post-ups. It's not just the eye test. It doesn't just seem like it. He really is. And then you mentioned the putbacks um, that, that um, NBA stats site keeps track of who's done the most putbacks. Andre Drummond is first in the league at those attempts by a very large margin. So it's just, it's just, it's just so fun to see. I mean, even against... I mean, another really interesting matchup was when we played the Heat, and Hassan Whiteside has really gotten a lot of buzz and praise for how, how strong he is as a rim protector and a rebounder and a, and and everything. And, and Drummond had a great game. He he, he kind of looked better among the two, so that was fun to see. Uh, I, I think this is just a he just looks good against everyone we play. There's been some games where he comes out, he gets like it, it doesn't happen very often, but I think the one thing that can happen to him is he gets into foul trouble. And it kind of takes his head out of the game. By the time he gets back, he, he you know he he hasn't he just kind of doesn't never seems to get his energy back into it. But that's really been like once, so I wouldn't even call it a trend. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I, I wanted to mention that Aaron Baines is pretty good. I mean, uh, obviously the only problem with Aaron Baines playing is that Andre Drummond is not playing, and Aaron Baines is not you know that kind of doesn't have the same potential to be like that Drummond does. But it's great to have a backup uh, like a skilled. Very large backup guy who, um, you know, you don't, we don't feel like it's so bad. Like he he, really, he, he held down the fort uh, for a good 10, 15 minutes last game. Uh, and he has he has some competent putbacks, uh, some competent post moves. Uh, he plays good defense. In some ways, I think his footwork and, and his discipline on defense, he's less, he's less athletic, but sometimes he can just look really good uh, on defense in terms of, like, getting the right place, putting his arms up, not fouling. Uh, so I don't know. I'm happy we have him, and may, may, maybe it was well worth. It. What is it the? Is it the seven million we're paying him a year? Yeah, I think it's six and a half or something. Uh, you know, it raised eyebrows, but in a couple of years when the salary cap is much higher, that that'll seem like a fair contract. I agree with you. He he looks like a he looks like he knows how to play basketball, which is good when you have somebody who's as big as he is. But yeah, he's a real below the rim player and just. Um, pr- Decently skilled, knows where to be. Uh, you know, real contribution. And if if Andre's in foul trouble, um, or is during that couple of minutes near the end of a game where the, the other team's following Andre, he can fill in. He's a good free throw shooter, and uh, yeah, he was a good pickup. But much better than Joel Anthony, which who um, may as well not cross half court onto offense um, <laughs> for for all he contributes there. But while while we're on Andre, I thought I'd just mention the other side of the pick and roll equation. Um, uh, his, there's some numbers on his effectiveness as as the role man on offense. He's 21st in the league in you know possessions being the role man uh, in in getting a shot up, and he he's he's scoring at a pretty high rate. You know, 76th percentile in um, in efficiency there. And so among among players who are you know using a similar amount of possessions or more, only Chris Bosh, Mark Gasol. Al Horford, Paul Millsap, and Derek Favors are better in or, or similar in efficiency. So that combination of of volume, where you use a lot of possessions and efficiency, is pretty rare. And, and, and those are all guys who are, are you know borderline all stars or better. Um, so so the um, his reputation for being a real threat as the role man on pick and roll is deserved. And I think it could get even better um, if. Um, as he develops more chemistry with Reggie Jackson, where it just it just seems like sometimes there's a little lane where we could throw it up there and he can get it, that, and we're just not taking advantage of it. Um, and I'm hoping that Reggie can watch film and, and figure that out. And um, you know, I'm sure it's easier said than done. I I can see it sitting on my couch at home and Reggie Jackson's being hit in the face by a, the opposing center. But um, 
so anyway, I just thought I'd mention that in addition to shooting a high volume of post-ups kind of poorly, he's also doing a decently high volume of pick-and-roll scoring at, at a very efficient rate. And that's, uh, that's great because that, that's, our, that's our plan. So I'm glad that that part of the plan is going well. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what game it was. There was one game where I think there was maybe four or five alley-oops to Drummond. Uh, maybe it was against the game we watched together against Minnesota. Um, but it, and maybe it was against a not particularly great rim protector, but it certainly is amazing when it, when it works out well. Yeah, yeah it, it, it all gets the crowd going. Um, and going back to what you said before, it probably gets us a little surge of energy to you know, play hard for an extra 10 seconds on defense. Um, you know, it, I think it's the main plan. And, and again, um, uh, Dallas, ha- uh, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, I think early last year, having pick and roll with Tyson Chandler being a devastating threat there, their whole offense was built around, do you want to stop that or do you want to stop Dirk Nowitzki? spotting up for open shots on the outside and, and they were able to leverage that with very clever coaching. And I mean, obviously Dirk is a hall of fame talent. Um, Ilya Sova uh, can hit an open shot. And so that's our, our, uh, what we have to contribute there. Um, so yeah, the, the plan seems to be lots of drives by Reggie Jackson, lots of pick and rolls with Reggie and, and Andre. And then, um, damn it, Andre Drummond is going to learn how to post up this year, and we're going to just keep feeding him the ball. Um, I thought I'd also mention uh, Marcus Morris is is uh, posting up a fair amount too and s- scoring at a very good rate there. So that's an option we have. So I think some of the isolations we see where he – so he, he's – we've mentioned him a few times. He's very, very bad in in isolation – uh, shots and uh, very good in post-up shots. So it seems to be all about whether we get him the ball close enough to the basket where it counts as a post-up. And when he's further away and facing the basket, he just seems to shoot a contested long two-pointer, and uh, that's a bad way to score baskets. So um, uh, let's keep an eye out for that too. Is is uh, you know when we get Marcus the ball, uh, are we are we asking him to bail us out? There's five seconds left on the shot clock. Are we getting him the ball where he's near enough to the basket where he can use his post-up skills? Um, because that seems to be our other thing. I, I just sort of get the sense that Reggie and Andre are doing about all they can contribute now. And if our offense is going to get better, it's going to either come from Reggie making better decisions, other people hitting more of their open shots, or we just get another player somehow in the next couple of years that can just create more shots and create more chaos. Um, because we're just ending up with too much, too many possessions ending with Marcus Morris or Reggie Jackson just having to get any shot up, and then on, hoping Andre bails us out with his ridiculous ability to put do putbacks. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Morris looking good from the post uh, when Bob Volgaris and Zach Lowe were talking about the Spurs. Uh, they were saying they were mentioning how the Spurs' offensive plan this year with Aldridge is a little bit different, and, and they're posting up a lot with Aldridge, who's a very talented post-up player, and it goes against the idea that you should only go for dunks or um, threes. And threes. And, but, but if someone's good enough at it, then it still is efficient, and, and it, it could just be that uh, the league's kind of chasing... Uh, Popovich did that because that's what worked really well with the team they had at the point, and it makes me think, you know what, with, with our team right now, uh, if, if we can get high-percentage post-up shots to Morris and to Drummond... Uh, that, that that I'm totally fine with that. We don't have to always be trying to wing it around and, and get open threes. Of course, it's great to see that. But I've seen games where we force it, and uh, the guys just aren't good enough at shooting threes for it to work for us. I mean, we shoot top five in the league three-point attempts, and we're like one of the worst three-point shooting teams. So uh, I'm more excited at this point to see a, a solid post move. And I, I hadn't thought about the distinction about when Morris looks good and when he looks bad, and I think that him doing post-ups versus him kind of facing up is, is a great insight. So uh, I think I think it, it comes down to people growing into their roles and, uh, you know, the question of do we have enough talent in creating shots? I, I, well, on our, on our bench, I mean, l- l- looking around our bench has been interesting. We, we complained about Steve Blake the first time. Dinwiddie actually got, a co- got like two or three games a uh, chance to start to, to be our backup. And while he looked... 
pretty. He had a couple of okay games. Uh, he hasn't. He didn't look like he can really run the floor. And we've actually gone back to Steve Blake, and uh, it seems like we've been a little bit more confident with him as a backup guard again. So I, I feel like that's just a really hard spot to be in. So I'm really looking forward. I mean, kind of summing things up right now. If you had said before the season started, if we hadn't gotten our, our expectations so high with that five and one start, to say, hey, eighteen games in, you're nine and nine, and Drummond is playing amazingly and developing a post game, and Reggie Jackson is shooting thirty five percent from three, uh, I think we'd be pretty happy. You know, it just it just so happens that this year being nine and nine puts us in the tenth spot in the East, whereas last year nine and nine probably would put us in like the fifth spot. Um, and our and, and our bench is, is really is, is is challenged, but we have Jennings coming back from injury pretty soon. When that could make a huge difference in terms of having a stronger second unit, and also we have uh, Jody Meeks coming back. Probably not more like till February next year, but that, those are two big pieces that could come together. You got those two guys um, paired with Baines and uh, Stanley Johnson. Yeah, and suddenly it's starting to look like a, a pretty solid second unit. So I, I'm I'm still really excited. It just it just like the East is a lot more competitive right now. There's just like there's a solid middle class where like if you you can win two games and be in the fifth spot and then lose two games and be in the tenth spot, and even like the Knicks are are pretty good this year and stuff like that. Yeah, where, where'd that come from? Uh, <laughs> the, the zinger, Kristaps Porzingis, and. And, uh, and the next, uh, he's the new Linsanity. Everyone's excited about him. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. We're we're really uh, being hurt by the the fact that the East Eastern Conference is a, has a decent middle now. Um, and yeah, we would have taken nine and nine. Uh, we we predicted thirty eight to forty two wins, kind of thing. So that we'll take it. And then yeah, I think the last thirty games of the year. Is when you know Jennings and Meeks will both be back and have a few games under the belt, and we'll have a um, a, a solid bench instead of one that's really struggling to keep its head above water. I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic right now, and um, and then the the things that aren't going as well, like you know, efficiency on Drummond post ups, and um, you know, it looks like Reggie Jackson might be missing a few opportunities to to pass out to an open shooter or. Uh, Andre uh, dunking on the pick and roll. Those are all things that can improve with time. So, you know, hey, as long as we can keep that intensity up on defense and um, and nobody gets hurt, uh, I think I think we're really in a great position to beat our prediction and um, and be a team that's fighting for that last playoff spot. And uh, you know, the, the the Pistons are worth watching this year. There's a, there's a lot of storylines. There's some. Great stretches of games that are that where we're playing really nice basketball. It's not painful to watch. Um, so hey, we have yeah we have an interesting nope. team this year, uh, and I, I I don't feel like we're just not good enough to to be in the mix. It's more like can we be consistent enough? We, we on a good night, I'm not afraid to play hardly anyone except for maybe uh, Golden State. <laughs> but on a good night, we, yep. we can we can really you know we have the tools. So I, I, I'm I just I'm remain excited, and uh, to to break some news on a podcast that will that will be posted probably well after this happens. I I, I do see that we're in overtime against Phoenix right now uh, with two minutes left. So off the turn, tune in. Hopefully we can we can have, keep a winning record by the time this is posted. All right. Well, I'm glad we had a chance to really delve into what's going on on offense and have some things to look for going forward. All right. Until next time.